Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. One of my young grandchildren uh, was a part of a family meal, and when it came time to pray to ask the blessing on the food, can I pray, can I pray, Uh, Sure. So he prayed, Lord, thank you for this food and bless this food for our body. In Jesus' name, amen. Then he looked right up at us and said, what does that mean, bless this food for our body? (laughs) It's not just children, but sometimes we as adults say things in prayer that we're not quite sure what they mean, right? And I I have a confession today as, as we start. For most of my Christian life, I have ended my prayers by saying three words, <laughs> in Jesus' name, honestly, without thinking a whole lot about what that means. <laughs> Why do I do that? Is it just because I've always heard people say that? I mean, that's, that's the official way to pray, right? That's on page 37, paragraph B. Line four. Well, it, we, it's, it's not wrong to say in Jesus name, but it's really easy to pray and use words. But what we're trying to do today and all through these 40 days is to get a good understanding of what Jesus meant when he made this incredible promise. That's what the 40 days of prayer is about. And Jim has just told you how the weeks work. And so today we, we start in, and I want to invite your attention to John chapter 14. Actually, I'm going to read verse 12, 13, and 14. This is Jesus speaking. These are his words. While he was here on earth, and he said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Here's how I want us to start. I want you to look at those two verses on the screen. Jesus promised that if you ask anything in his name, he'll do it. And just turn to somebody sitting beside you and give a one-word answer. What's one word that comes to your mind when you read that? Like what, what word hits you when you read that? Just turn to somebody beside you and just one word, one word answer. Okay, loudly please uh, raise your hand and just let's get a few of them. What, what are some of those one words? Believe. Authority, promises, caution. Okay, so here's my word. 
if this weren't in the Bible, I know this is in the Bible, but if this weren't in the Bible, my word would be unbelievable. (laughs) That's my word. You are telling us that anything we ask in your name, you're going to do it. That seems to be what it says, right? This is Jesus talking. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I'm thinking unbelievable. Now, sometimes when we come to passages like this, people can go to one of two extremes. They can go to the extreme of, well, we got to qualify it to death. <laughs> and, 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 well, it couldn't mean this. It's, it's this and this and this and this and this and this. And then the other extreme is, okay, if that's what he said, <laughs> then maybe I'm going to take him up on it. Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, help me, help these numbers to win the lottery. In Jesus' name. Did I just pray in Jesus' name? Well, hang on. <laughs> You see, we can, we can go to one extreme or the other, and what we want to do is find out what did he mean. Because it's an, it is an unbelievable promise. It, it's a great promise. Uh, here is God's word for us today. To those who pray in his name, Jesus promises to do anything. To those who pray in his name, Jesus promises to do anything. This is God's word. We need to take it for what it is. We need to believe it. We need to practice it. We need to understand it to make sure that we're actually praying in his name. And as we understand it, then we should be praying in his name because to those who pray in his name, Jesus promises to do anything. Well, what does it mean? There's some keys to unlock the meaning of this verse. In fact, there are three that I want to give you this morning, and we'll walk through them. The first one is the promise itself. That's the first key. We need to focus in on what Jesus is promising. And and this is what he's promising. Pray in Jesus' name, and he will do anything. So at the beginning, let's note that in Jesus' name, just like I I cast it on my formula praying for the lottery, or as a formula praying for the lottery, it's not just a formula. It's not just some kind of magical incantation. We're not going to look there, but Acts chapter 19, we, we talked through the book of Acts recently, and when we came to Acts chapter 19, there, there's an account of some people who weren't believers in Christ, but they saw Paul, the apostle, doing miracles. And so they tried to cast demons out themselves, even though they weren't Christians. And they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And, of course, the demons didn't know them. And they said, we don't know you. And they jumped on them and, you know, overwhelmed them. So it's obvious this is not just a phrase that you anybody can just attach to any prayer And expect it to be answered. What does it mean? We are going 
to learn four things about what it means. And these, in that 40-day of prayer guide, every week at the beginning of the week, you'll see four bullet points. We want you to pray these four ways about various things. First of all, it is praying in compliance with his character. Secondly, it is praying based on his merit. Third, it is praying with his power and authority. And finally, it is praying in line with his priorities and purposes. Now, those are four distinct things, but they're very interwoven, and I think you'll see it. Now, let's let's unpack it a little bit. What do we mean when we say uh, praying in compliance with his character? Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 19 says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. You know, when you and I identify with Jesus Christ, when we confess his name, we are confessing him. We are confessing his character. I belong to him. And so if you say that you belong to Jesus, if, if you confess his name, what, what does that include? It, it means that you have a desire to turn away from wickedness. Now, of course, you don't have the ability on your own and I don't either. He, he is the one who helps us do it. But this is the principle that the name of Jesus is really linked with his character. So that's why I would always want to pray in Jesus' name about things that Jesus would support, right? Something that would be in his character. If I'm struggling with somebody, if make a ridiculous example, I wouldn't want to pray in Jesus' name that they would get hurt, uh, you know, or, or something like that. Or if I'm struggling in my marriage, I wouldn't pray that God would deliver me from this bad marriage because God is a faithful God, right? And his, his character is for us to be faithful to each other. So, so first of all, it's praying in compliance with his character. Secondly, it's praying based on his merit. His merit. A few verses before our text for today, John 14, 13 and 14, Jesus is talking and he's explaining to them, uh, those early disciples about who he is and how they can get to heaven. And he has this interaction. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, except read those last two words with me out loud through me. That's how you get to heaven. That's how you go to God, the father. It's through Jesus. Right. And then in first Corinthians six, Paul wrote, this is what some of you were talking about all these sinful behaviors before that, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the spirit of our God. See that? That's, that's how you're saved. That's how you're changed. It's in the name of Jesus. It's based on his merit and what he has done. And just as 
We can only get to heaven based on Jesus' merit. We also can only pray and ask things from God and expect things from God on his merit. Years ago, a man named Paul Borthwick got on an airplane. He was sitting in the economy seating near near first class, but not in first class. And he saw a lot of commotion and he saw these two men in dark suits and he's like wondering what's going on. He, he asked the, well, before he got on, he asked the flight attendant, he said, what, what's happening here? And, uh, flight attendant said, well, just, just wait, you'll see. So he, he boards and he's sitting there and the two men get on and right behind them, them is the former president of the United States, Gerald Ford. And he's, he's sitting there just like just a few rows away from the former president. And he thinks to himself, I've never met a president. I've never talked to a president. And now I'm I'm sitting like just just right there. I wonder, I wonder if I could talk to him. I wonder if the Secret Service guys would would stop me. But then he remembered years earlier, while he was in seminary, he had met Gerald Ford's son, Mike. And so he has an idea. He stands up, he starts walking to him, and before the Secret Servant Service agents stop him, he says, President Ford. I know your son, Mike. And when he did that, they struck up a conversation, not a long one, but they chatted, you know, you know, just chatting with the president, you know, those kind of things. We... He didn't walk up to him and say, President Ford, I'm really a good guy. I'd love to just, I'd love you to get to know me. I'd love to tell you about myself. In other words, he didn't come on his own merit. He came on somebody else's merit, the merit of the son. And that's what prayer is. When we pray, we're not trying to get God to answer our prayers because of us, because we say the right words, quote unquote, or try hard enough or long enough. We're praying based on Jesus' merit. The third thing praying in Jesus' name means with his power and authority and uh, in in our in our musical part of our worship today, did you notice the powerful words that we were singing about Jesus about who he is, the great I am well he 's powerful, and praying in his name <clears throat> means we use that power and authority. One of my uh, favorite stories and many of our favorite stories growing up and even now was David and Goliath. Little David with a few smooth stones against a Philistine warrior, Goliath. No chance, right? Well, notice what David said to the Philistine. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name. Of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And he won the victory, right? Because he came based on God's power. He came in the name of God. In the New Testament, in Acts, Peter and John healed a lame man one day and they got arrested for it. And the religious leaders called them and said, How'd you do this? 
whose name, by what name or by what authority did you do this? And they said in Acts 4, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and we're being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. In other words, it was power there. There was power in Jesus' name. And they healed him in the power of Jesus' name. So praying in Jesus' name means we realize he's powerful enough to do it. And we're calling on his power. We're leaning on his authority and depending on him. And then it is praying in line with his priorities and purposes. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Do you see it? John 14 says, if you pray in my name, it'll be done. And first John, John writing an epistle now, not a gospel, says, here's our confidence if we pray anything according to his will. So you link the two together. And that means that praying in Jesus name is basically praying according to his will. It's praying about the things God cares about. It's praying about the things that are priorities for God, that are that, that fit in with God's purposes. Again, the silly example. You can't say it's God's will for you to pray for the lottery, so that's why, or win the lottery. That's why you can't pray in Jesus' name to win the lottery. You can pray to trust God with your finances. You know that's God's will. You can pray that in Jesus' name. So that's the first key is the promise itself. The second key to unlock what this means is the actual context of the promise. We dove in here right at verse uh, 12, 13, and 14, but let's walk our way up to those verses in John chapter 14. John 14 is part of what we know as the upper room discourse. Jesus Christ in the upper room in Passion Week, right before he was about to die, gathered his disciples and he had this long conversation with them about what was about to happen and what was going to happen next after he left and went to heaven. So that's the context. He's setting the stage for them and he's he knows they're worried. He knows they're going to be troubled. And he says, look, I don't I don't want you to be troubled. I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I've got good news for you. I'm leaving, but when I leave, I'm going to heaven. I'm going ahead of you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So your, so your hearts shouldn't be troubled. And that's when they, they think, well, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And I, the verses I read earlier, uh, it's, it's like Jesus is saying, I'm the way. It's it's through me. And, and all in this process, Jesus is linking himself with God the Father. 
He's talking about the unity between God the Father and God the Son. And they ask him about that. Well, what what does this mean? In fact, Philip says, look, okay, will, will, you, will you show us, Lord? Will, will you show us the Father? So let's pick up in verse 8, reading this. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me or... At least believe on the evidence of the works themselves, okay? So Jesus is talking about who he is. I'm in God the Father. God the Father's in me. It's not like Jesus is lesser than God the Father. They are one. And he's trying to get them to understand it. He's trying to get them to believe. He wants them to believe. He keeps saying believe. In fact, he says, he comes down to say, Look, believe for the fact that I said it, but but how about the miracles that you've seen? The miracles point to that. And so if they would have reflected, if you look at the Gospel of John, it's it's built around several of Jesus' miracles. And if they would have reflected on his turning water into wine, if they would have reflected to him feeding thousands from a little boy's lunch, if they would have reflected on his raising Lazarus from the dead, they would have realized that points, that, that points to the fact that he's God. And that's what he's saying. uh, Believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And then in verse 12, he expands it even further. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father. Now, are you following this? Here's Jesus talking about all these works he's been doing, these amazing things he's been doing, healing people, turning water into wine, etc. And he's saying, believe in me, believe in me, believe in me. Hey, and whoever believes now he expands it it's not just those first disciples whoever that includes you and me right we're part of the whoever whoever believes in me will do the works i've been doing but he expands expands it a second way it's not just that we'll do the same kinds of things that jesus did but we will do even say those words that are Bolded out loud? Greater things. Now talk about unbelievable. <laughs> Jesus says that his followers who believe in him are going to do even greater things than he did. 
that begs the question. <laughs> what are these greater things? What, what does it mean, greater things? How can, how can we, <laughs> humans, do greater things than Jesus himself did? It, it can't mean more spectacular, right? Because it's hard to get more spectacular than raising somebody from the dead. That's, that's about as spectacular as you can get. So it, it can't mean that. But notice, notice what the rest of the phrase says. Greater things than these. Why? Because I am going to the Father. That phrase is very crucial in understanding what Jesus means about greater things. In fact, I agree with D.A. Carson here in his commentary who says that these, this last phrase, because I'm going to the Father, that becomes the basis for the greater things. Jesus says, you're going to do greater things. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. So it's like this. If you can picture a timeline, Jesus is on earth doing great things, right? Amazing things. Have have you ever wondered why the people who saw him do these things, why everybody didn't just follow him? (laughs) I mean, I have, I thought, even his own disciples, right, had a hard time believing who he was. Even his own brothers, right? And this is all because in that era, he had not yet died. He had not yet been buried. He had not yet risen from the dead. He had not been glorified into a new state. In other words, he was, he was God the whole time, but he was veiled in a certain sense. It's very easy for us today to look back almost critically at the people and say, well, why didn't you believe? Look what you saw. I think if you and I would have been there, we'd have been struggling too. Because we have the whole story. We know that he wasn't just a miracle worker or a magician or something because we, we've seen all of it in the Bible and we have seen his resurrection and his glorification. And so what he's saying is there's going to be a period in which I am glorified. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be glorified. And these works that were designed to point People to me, not just me, but me and God the Father, to point people to evidence that I and the Father are one. These things, there was a period in which people saw it, but it was harder for them to believe. But if I go, or when I go, there's going to be a time, it's going to be a new era, it's going to be a new age that the veil is going to come off. And it is going to become even more obvious to people who see those things. This is who I am. The miracles that Jesus did on earth accomplished great things. But but then they couldn't, it was hard for them to fully grasp it. Does this make sense? I mean, this gets, this gets us down in here, right? This isn't, this is, you have to, you have to think about this, but I think this is what's, what's going on. Um, now, of course, great things 
does include volume. I mean, not that many people actually followed Jesus in the grand scheme of the world while he was on earth, right? Think now how many Christians there are all over the world. And all those people have been told the gospel by a Christian, basically. And this is part of this greater things. Jesus equips us to go tell others about him. And it happens all over the world. And the, he was in Palestine. He, he walked in a narrow, restricted area of the world. And now the part of the greater things is, is, is the volume. But it, again, it's, it's more than just the volume. It's the fact that now, as God works through us, it points to who he really is. Now, all of that sets up verses 13 and 14. You know, in the Bible, when you're studying the Bible, learning good Bible study, one of the most important things is context. It's what are the verses that lead into your verse and what are the verses that lead out of your verse? Okay, we've been talking about the verses that lead into this verse. It sets the stage. But that raises a question. Jesus has made this incredible statement. Anybody who believes in me is going to do greater things than I did. How? How, how, how can us humans... How can we do greater things than Jesus did? The answer comes in verse 13. Because and connects the verses. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. When we put those down for the memory verses, part of me was hesitant to start a memory verse that started with the word and. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you looked at it and you thought, why is it starting with and? What goes before it? Now you know what goes before it. A promise that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can be involved in doing greater things than Jesus did. How in the world can you do it? Not on your own strength, not on your own merit. You can do it when you pray in his name. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Now, it seems like on the surface... That Jesus is making a contrast between what he did and we do. And I've even been using some of that language. But let me qualify that. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying is, here's what I did on earth myself while I was walking on the earth. And now, here's what I'm going to keep doing through my followers. It's all the work of Jesus. Just he did it himself. And now in this era, he does it through us. That's why I say (laughs) praying in Jesus name is praying in compliance with his character. It's praying based on his merit. It's praying with his power and authority. And it's praying in line with his priorities and purposes. Okay, how many of you watched, have watched, do, did watch 
the series Downton Abbey. <laughs> Any Downton Abbeys here? Okay. It wasn't on my playlist, I admit. But it, well, a lot of people watched it. It was an award-winning uh, British series on this aristocratic family set, um, I guess, early 20th century. Well, World War One, and series one, World War One was just happening. The, the Crawley family was this aristocratic family with all of these servants and all of this stuff. And there's a scene in one of the early early seasons in which Matthew Crawley has been uh, commissioned into the army and he's out on the battlefield. And his love interest, uh, Lady Mary, is kneeling by the, her bed and there's a picture of Matthew on the bed and she's praying. Well, her sister comes in the room unexpectedly, Edith, and says, hey, are you praying? I mean, she slides the picture under the thing and like stands up and like, pray? no, no, she just, she denies that she's, she's praying and everything. And oh, you, no, no, no. And so when the sister leaves, she pulls the, the picture back out and she gets on her knees again. And she prays this. She says, dear Lord, I don't pretend to have much credit with you. I'm not even sure that you're there. But if you are there, and and if I've ever done anything good, I beg you to keep him safe. When she prays, if I've ever done anything good, the camera pans out to him on the battlefield. If I've ever done anything good, I beg you to keep him safe. I want to tell you something. Asking God for something on the basis, if I've ever done anything good, that's praying on your merit. That's not praying in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name acknowledges it's not about whether I've done good or not. It's not like God can look down and favor me. And, you know, we may not always say those words, but do, do we ever think them as we're praying that, well, you know, Lord, I've served you. And almost like there's a feeling that God is obligated in some way. That's not praying in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name is praying in line with his purposes, on his authority, on his merit. Well, let's wrap it up with one more key to understand it. We've talked about the promise itself. We've talked about the context that leads into the promise. The purpose of the promise. What is the purpose of the promise? It's for God to be glorified in Jesus Jesus has said repeatedly in John's gospel over and over and over again, I came to bring glory to the Father. I came to bring glory to the Father. 541, 718, 850, other passages. That's why he went to the cross when he was predicting his death in John 12. He said in verse 27, oh, my soul is troubled, but why? What shall I say? Father, save me from for this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. That's what Jesus was all about. Jesus was all about bringing glory to God the Father. And now that he has risen and he has been exalted, he still has the same purpose. 
And that's to bring glory to God the Father. And how does he do it? By encouraging and equipping his own children to pray in his name. And as we pray in Jesus' name, God does those things. And God is glorified. It adds weight. It adds wonder to our prayer. And that's what this 40 days is all about. Learning what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name. Every week, this message today, this week one, all the stuff we're studying, week one is designed to lay the foundation for Jesus and who he is and what it means to pray in his name. And then each week after that, we're going to take a specific area that fits in with one of these four categories or all of these four categories. And we're going to pray in Jesus' name about those things. We're going to practice praying in Jesus' name, whether we actually say those words at the end of our prayer or not. So again, I don't think necessarily I want to get down on my knees and say, Lord, help me win the lottery in Jesus' name. Lord, help the Panthers win in Jesus' name. I hate to get disappointed in prayer. (laughs) I might be able to say, Lord, help those Carolina Tar Heels beat those Duke Blue Devils because they have devils in their name in Jesus. No, I don't know if I can. I can't even pray that in Jesus' name. But if I understand who he is and I want to please him, And I'm depending on him and not me. Those are the things that I pray in Jesus' name. There's a bookmark on the little table. Some of you might have got it on the way in, but we've moved them inside that little brown table, right? Go on your way out. There's a bookmark that we want to give you today. And so as you leave later on today, please grab one of these. It's, It's praying in Jesus' name. I read a book several years ago called Praying Backwards by Brian Chappell. The contention of that book was we should pray backwards. We've, we should start in Jesus' name. <laughs> start our prayers. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray such and such and such. And, he, and um, anyway, he gives a sample of what that looks like. And I just I want to read that to you. And you can take it with you and hopefully it's not saying these words necessarily, but these words capture uh, the essence of what's happening here. Heavenly Father, I pray to you today in Jesus name. Focus my heart on the priorities of my Savior whom you have provided out of your great love. Please do in me and through me whatever will bring most glory to Jesus. As you listen to each petition I make, please help me offer it, claiming Christ's merit more than my own, seeking Christ's purposes more than my own, loving Christ's glory more than my own. And these are petitions I offer, and then you offer your petitions. (laughs) By the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit, Transform my request into instruments for accomplishing your will to have Christ honored everywhere, especially in my heart.
Make my greatest desire, highest joy, and deepest fulfillment Jesus' glory. I can attempt all you require of my life, face all you design for my path, rejoice in all you will for my eternity when I know all is for Jesus' name. Do all that you know is best for him, for this most blesses me. Forgive my readiness to forget and my tendency to doubt that when he is most glorified, I am most satisfied. When my mind shrinks from these truths, enlarge my heart for Christ's purposes. For Christ's sake and for mine, help me always to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the purpose so that the Father may be glorified in Jesus. To those who pray in his name, Jesus promises to do anything. Let's pray in his, let's pray in his name. Let's pray in his name. And I challenge you, we've talked about the promise, I challenge you to go apply the promise. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.